Welcome to the Invincible Innovation Show, the podcast for changemakers. Each week, I talk to the most fascinating entrepreneurs and innovation leaders about innovation, strategy, and design. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Invincible Innovation Live Show. I'm your host, Adima Zorkario, product design and AI expert, and today we have an incredible guest who is an AI ML expert, AI ethicist, and innovator in the field. Our guest is here to share invaluable insight into launching AI products, the challenges that come with it, and of course, the future of AI. My guest today is Dennis. Hi, Dennis, how are you? I'm fine. So, Eddie, thanks for inviting me. It's my pleasure. De- Dennis Rothman is AI ethicist and innovator. We're live on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook, and you're so invited to join the discussion and ask questions. So let's dive into the, the, the discussion that we thought that we should do, do together, and I'm sure it's going to be really, really fun. So can you just outline the key challenges that developers really face when they are working with products? AI products development? Well, I would say the first problem is theory. Many people think it's tools, but it's theory. So there are two aspects. Do you want to be just a user so you can use assistance? Or do you want to be a developer? So your questions about the developer, the main thing for a developer I would say is theory. First, be good in math and good in linguistics. And if you have those two pillars, uh, it's pretty easy. It's, uh, if you have uh, mathematics, linguistics, and then you know a computer language, whatever it is, then it becomes very easy. If you lack theory, well, then it's, it's more difficult because even if you're using ChatGPT, you don't know if the answer is good or not. You don't know if it's correct. It, it, yeah. it will always say something, but you don't know if it's right or not. But if you have the theory, you say, no, no, that's wrong. So you can ask another question. But most developers do not understand linguistics, if I'm not mistaken, right? They understand math. They come from science. But linguistics is not something that they usually learn. Yes, because, yeah, well, that's a problem. If you're... It's, it's a problem, but it's just like you have musicians. Some musicians went to music school and some didn't. So those that didn't go to music school can't play in a classical orchestra. They can't play a, in a symphony. It's, it's impossible if they can't read a music score. But if they don't went, if they didn't go to music, then they can play pop music and become very famous. So it It just depends in which direction you want to be. If you want to do something very solid, then you have to have a basic knowledge of linguistics and even computer uh, cognitive science, psychology, neuroscience, uh, how computers work. It just depends what level you want to be. If you just want to be a web designer, well, then be a web designer. You don't need to know linguistics. You can, and you no. can earn a lot of money. If you want to go to the top, though, the cutting edge, Where, where it's really fun on top of the big waves, well, then you're going to have to have some solid knowledge. It just depends what you want to do. Do, do you mean that if I want to just use a model, it doesn't matter if it's like a ChatGPT or BARD or an in, in open source model, I just want to use it as a black box. I don't need to know further. And if I want to build these tools and really build these models from scratch, I need to understand these things. 
Well, there's a distinction there. The first part of your question is no, is right. You don't need to know anything. You can go to an Amazon or a Google uh, platform or Hugging Face or Microsoft Azure and build applications without knowing anything, anything about linguistics, mathematics, just as you use a, a smartphone. You don't know what's inside or a computer. So you can do that and you can uh, have a very successful career and be a very happy person. Now, then you say build from scratch. No, it, it's not. If you want to build from scratch, it's the same thing. You can go to uh, platforms like Hugging Face. You can go to Keras and you can download things. You don't need to know anything. It just depends what you want to do. Like suppose you want to work in aerospace and you want to work on space projects. How are you going to do that without math? Well, you tell me in physics, it's going to, it's going to be a challenge unless you're just the web designer for the social media. But if you're really working on the rocket, well, and you don't know math, well, the, or, or you're working on airplanes and you don't know math, well, then you don't want, you don't want to get in that airplane after you mean. Uh, so it just depends on what you want to do. It's just take this music, uh, do you want to learn music from scratch or do you want to use uh, computer software that, you know, you can build, you can assemble music for hip hop. You don't need to know anything and you can be very successful. It's just what, yeah. who you want to be. But like you, you, can go, you can go through life being totally uneducated. You, can, right. you don't have to read books. You don't have to, you don't have to know anything and you can be very successful. You just look at soccer players, uh, NFL players, uh, well, NBA. some of these people have PhDs uh, in the United States. You have Chekel O'Neill, for example, the famous basketball player. Well, mm -hmm. he has a PhD because his mother uh, wanted him to have a PhD. Or you have NFL players that don't have uh, a lot of education. or It's just who you want to be. But nothing will stop you from using AI. Yeah, but would you say that most, I would say, like even the majority of, of people doing AI products and creating these applications, generative AI and others, are not from what you call mathematics and linguistics? They're well, usually if you go, yeah, well, if you go to Google or OpenAI, we're talking about uh, Google, Microsoft, you're talking about billion dollar uh, companies. Right. And in those companies, they hire a lot of PhDs. Mm -hmm. You don't, they don't necessarily need PhDs, but they hire a lot of PhDs. And then they put them together in teams. Like you have a PhD in computer science, a PhD in philosophy, a PhD in sociology, a psychology. They just put them, they have a billion dollar projects. You just take the best of breed, put them all together in, a, in an open space, and you'll get fantastic models. So they have, in big corporations, they have the money to get who they want from any country in the world and put them in to get in the same room. But at the same time, they hire people for social media that don't need a lot of, don't need a PhD. In fact, right. one of the inventors of the transformer model, which is the basis of uh, chat, ChatGPT is a transformer model. One of these, one of the main writers didn't have a college degree. Really? That, that, really? That's interesting because transformer is something very like in the basic of the mathematics of the models. In that, that's what you think. But but transformers at in the beginning are just, it's just simple math. 
Yeah, but he needs to understand math. That's what I'm saying. No, he didn't understand math. He didn't need to understand math. He was very innovative and he was thinking, why don't I take this out and put this in? It's what I told you. A hip-hop artist doesn't even know how to play an instrument. So this 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 inventor, he was saying, yeah, but why are they doing it? In fact, it's even better than having a PhD for this person because he's saying, why do they think like that? Why don't why 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 do they need that component? Let's take that component out and see what happens. And and he took it out and it and it generated nonsense. He said, yeah, but maybe I can make it better. And and he's one of the main writers of the first uh, paper. Wow. I know that you're talking and you're an AI ethicist, and, and I have lots of questions about that. But first, let's let's just mention why AI is so interwined into the, the topic of ethics. Well, the problem here is that if you step back a minute, if you step back a minute, we're 8 billion people on the planet, okay? You have to go from there. And then you go to internet and then you get to social media and then you're a social media tycoon like Zuckerberg or uh, or Elon Musk and we we we're just one person and we're looking at one person but they're not looking at one person they're looking at hundreds of millions of people and they can't hire a hundred million people to check what's going on on their social media they need to automate the filtering of content and and you can't just write a classical software or you just say filter these words so if i find that word okay you can use that but you're going to need something more powerful so you need ai which finds rules automatically that's the main difference if you write rules then you write them all but ai doesn't need to write rules it'll just learn patterns stochastically so it's very useful to automate these filters and it's and if you go to industries where you have like uh, food processing so you can have like 20,000 project products so what you want to write 20,000 rules and then have 20,000 people so we need automation and we've needed automation for centuries because yeah. as we the population grew well first we need tractors because there weren't enough people to get the wheat out of out of the ground or rice or whatever so we needed automation. And then AI is just a part of automation, but it's spreading in every domain, just like software. Why do we have an antivirus? Why do we have privacy rules? So AI is just part of software, but since it's very automated, well, we need to know what it's doing and we need to control it. Yeah, so, so why do you think uh, it's so important, the ethical consideration when creating and deploying an AI technology? It's just because it's a new technology. We, all these laws exist. Like in, in, I live in France, you can't, you can't uh, publish racist content. But that has been existing for like 20 years. But how do you control it? I mean, how can you control that? If with the explosion of messages. So uh, if you're sitting there and you say, okay, I have just 1 billion messages that came in today. I remember Zuckerberg going to the US Congress and they say, why did this message appear? And then they show this message. And you're talking to Zuckerberg that, you know, likes go, maybe go sports. He does a lot of sports. He's a billionaire. He's on his yacht. 
He's thinking, this guy really thinks that I have time to go in there and find among one billion posts, that post that they don't like. No, I need automation. So then they say, well, explain your automation. He says, wow, how do I, how can I know? We have at least, I, they have hundreds of functions in there. So we need automation to control all that. And we need people that, you know, control the automation. Yeah. So you're saying it's just another step in where we are in technology in our lives. And it's, it's just because it's new, we need to regulate it and to think about the yeah, ethics right. side of it. Yeah, just like when the first car came along. When the mm. first Ford T, uh, the Model T Ford came out, many people were buying it. There weren't regulations on uh, carbon emissions or uh, red lights, stops, uh, just people drove around and polluting everywhere. They didn't know they were polluting. And then you don't, maybe you're too young to remember, but I remember leaded gas. You had gas with lead in it. And in, in the United States, you could drive a car and you can say, I can, I'm going to buy leaded gas or I'm going to buy unleaded gas. But unleaded gas is more expensive. So I'm going to go buy leaded gas because it's, it's cheap. Who knew? that lead gives you is very bad give you cancer or diseases people knew it but they were just taking the risk until we're saying no 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 gas is now unleaded and you see you can still see in many gas stations unleaded gas but but leaded gas is forbidden so it just like smoking in the 1950s they were advertising advertising that smoking was good for your health yeah <laughs> you have these marlboro signs if you want to be a man smoke yeah, so, with the cowboy. Uh, yeah, the cowboy. If you're a cowboy, you smoke. And if you don't smoke, you're not a cowboy. So yeah. now we know, know that it's very dangerous. It just comes in time. It's just new. That's right. You got the term. So so what, what you're saying, it's not like most people would say AI is like the new electricity and it, ha it is so powerful. It could change humanity. It could take our jobs. It's, it's so powerful. This is why we need all these regulations and AI. AI ethical uh, uh, point of view and and what is good with it or not and you're just saying no it's just another step it's new so we need to think what would be the uh, consequences of it sure there's going to be regulations there are regulations popping all over the uh, there are laws coming in everywhere and then so to anybody that thinks that AI is going to take over the world, I recommend that they you just go take a step back. What is AI? AI is a software. Software works on a computer. A computer needs computer chips. And right now there's a, a worldwide shortage of computer chips. And, every, and, and to build a computer chip, you need rare minerals. And rare minerals, they have, they have a name called rare extremely rare, like China has between 60 and 80% of rare minerals and decided the day before yesterday, they're not going to export that much anymore. Ooh, I didn't hear yeah. that. Yeah, well, and of course, who's going to talk about things like that? <laughs> <Who's> <laughs> but they do say, care when it comes to their iPhones, to say, they will talk about it, right? Yeah, but who's going to say we need resources from China? Because China... For, for whatever reason, I'm not going to get into politics. But anyway, they have rare minerals and we need those rare minerals. And they decided that they're not going to export that much for whatever reason. But at the same time, we can't produce that many uh, computer chips. They're very expensive. 
A GPU yeah. is around, can cost up to $2,000, right? Yeah, I know that I read yeah, uh, but how many ago. Yeah, $2,000. It yeah. costs to to maintain to to maintain. Microsoft said that OpenAI requires seven hundred thousand dollars per day just for the computational power, the electricity, and all the service that, that they are working. Uh, yeah, for. and just just step back. If you want to train a model like, uh, let's say, a, a ChatGPT, let's take that one. Everyone's speaking about that one, but there are other ones. You need at least. I would say at least 5,000, that's really the minimum, 5,000 GPUs. Okay. So you're talking so, so about... you do the math, 5,000 times 2,000 US dollars, right? Yeah, plus the CPUs you need for the GPUs, plus the circuits, plus the bandwidth, plus everything. So you're just around $50 million. Wow. So how many people have $50 million to build AI that's going to take over the world? And then you go back and you say, okay, there are not enough computer chips, not enough rare minerals, but who has electricity? I mean, not, 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 some countries don't have electricity. Right now you have maybe, I'm not going to say how many, but hundreds of millions of people in the world don't have electricity. Now, I live in France. I live in France and we're having a problem here with electric cars because we're reaching the level where you can't charge the batteries anymore because we don't have enough electricity. So we there's a calculation that says if everyone buys an electric car, there's not enough electricity to charge the batteries. Where are you going to get all these computers to take over the world? Yeah. I mean, but, you know, it, I'll give you an example that, that I met yesterday, just just to to focus what ha what I have in mind when I think about AI ethics. Uh, do you know Replica, which is a companion bot? Do you know this company? Well, I know a lot of these kinds of personal assistants. Yeah, so Replica is like you could um, chat with a bot that is like your girlfriend or boyfriend, doesn't matter. And yesterday I saw uh, someone who just got like he got into it and he fell in love with this bot that you could uh, say, how would it look? What would it wear? All of that. And you chat with it and he started talking with this bot uh, for about like seven, eight hours a day. And it really, he got really attached to it. Okay. You could laugh, but that's what happened. And I don't think that it's so uncommon that people who are lonely get attached to that device and they believe there's someone else on the other side. But what really happened that after a while he thought like maybe I should go outside and meet a friend or and he started to to be in the real world. And the the bot, it, when we're talking about retention, okay, like extra, extra retention thing, started to say, like, you don't love me anymore. What would I do without you? Maybe I would kill myself if you don't come. Yeah. So okay. talking and about I'm, ethics, this is the th first thing that comes to my mind. Well, let me tell you another thing that comes to my mind. Everyone said that about books. People, have, people just forget what happened. You have Gutenberg that invented printing in uh, 1440, around 15th century. And everyone's saying that about books. Books, books. In the 15th century, 16th century, books. You're reading books. You're in the imaginary world. You think it's real, but books aren't real. You should read the Bible. 
you shouldn't read books. Books are very bad. It's the imagination. And then you have this famous book, which is still one of the most published books in the world, which is Don Quixote, Cervantes. What's the story saying? This guy is reading books, and he's reading books and about chivalry, and he thinks he's some knight or something, and then he goes out, just like your friend here, and he goes out, and he attacks everything because he thinks that's it, like in his book. So every, we were saying this about books 400 years ago. So And people were saying, to stop reading these books. And then when a novel was invented, oh, that, that was a disaster. A novel, that's, that's imaginary. That's very dangerous for your mind. So what can we do about it? If the guy's crazy, he's crazy. You know, like, okay, I can, people, do, you don't need uh, social media. People do that with their dogs and cats. You can say, I, I, I live in a neighborhood where people are talking to their dogs as if they were children. Come here. Oh, oh, you're there. Come here, my little kitty. Oh, you must be cold. You must be so sad I'm not taking care of you. Don't cry. I'm going to give you some food. Just look at people with pets. They, it's just a part of a human. Look when we were children. We were playing with toys. We thought they were real. Uh, dolls, uh, cars, uh, they, we thought they were real. We were talking to them. Just look right. at a child talking to a toy. We were like that. So if some people think uh, that way, what do you want to do about it? I mean, uh, you, can, you can go, if you walk in this Manhattan, you were speaking about New York earlier, or Paris, you see people talking to themselves all day long. I mean, right. And I'll tell you something, people talking on smartphones all day long doesn't look very different. I have problems in Paris when I'm walking, I hear someone speaking and I say, okay, is this person insane? Ah, no, and he has a smartphone. He I'm, has looking, like... I'm looking for the headset. Yeah. Uh, no headset. Ah, Bluetooth. <laughs> oh, okay. The person's not crazy, but he does look crazy because they're yeah. just speaking about their personal life right in the street. Like in here, some yeah, but yesterday evening you didn't talk to me the way I wanted you to talk to me, and I I didn't sleep all night. And you know I talked to Jill, and Jill said that you were a bad person. So I'm looking at, I'm walking in the street, and I'm looking at this person, just spitting out this personal life right in right in the street. So the person must be crazy. And then I don't see the headset. Then ah, Bluetooth. Oh, okay. So the person is not crazy, but the person is insane. And we're all like that, all of us. If we're in the street and someone calls us for something important, first of all, we talk louder and we begin to walk around in circles, you know, okay, I want to, we don't even know where we're walking until we're <laughs> right. talking and say, oh, how did I end up here? We might just walk over a bridge and fall in the water. So we don't need AI. We're already like that. It's just another way of being insane, ex except we don't know it. And for you, it's it's no difference when I talk to a friend, which is like a real friend, and when I talk to something which is a, a computer, after all. You shouldn't talk to a computer. But most people do, you know, like we have, right now with AI, we have um, therapist, instead of going to a therapist in the past, sure. it was like really meeting someone, now you do it online, and in, in the, like, sure, in a year or two, you could well, talk I, to someone well, who's I not would, real. I, I, I wouldn't use... AI is a tool, and you can use it as a tool. Like an online doctor can be very 
useful if you're living in a country where you, or a place in a country where you don't have access to a doctor and you have a machine that you can you know give symptoms to that you can talk to the machine give symptoms and the person will tell you something now if you're dealing with psychology psychology you're talking about your mind talking about emotions ai has doesn't have a single emotion or anything it can't help you i would never use a machine as a therapist. I mean, uh, there's no empathy in a, in a, there's absolutely no empathy in a mathematical equation. So you can use it for, it's very useful for practical things like a virtual doctor, but up to a certain limit, because unless you touch the person and you have scans, but it can be helpful for little things, but for a therapist, well, I'd say, no, I'd forbid it. But when you're talking about doctors, we could take it to psychiatrists and we could take it to other therapists. No, no, no. I'm talking doctors with the body, I'm not talking about doctors of the mind. Yeah, but when you're thinking about the doctor, still, when you're going to a doctor right now, like in the real world, yeah, most of the time, like more than half of the time, he's in front of the PC, right? Writing what he is, you know, his, anything that he's writing. I found this, I found that, whatever. And you, they hardly even look at you. Sometimes yeah. they do check you no, out. Yeah, which well, is that's the reason that, that you I have a lot. I have, yeah, but I have a lot of doctors in my family, and they're all like that. But the problem you're not seeing is the doctor's point of view. It's just like before. You're there. You see one doctor. One doctor sees two thousand patients in his uh, environment, and he's thinking this person doesn't. There's nothing wrong with this person. I'm just. He can see it at a glance. He's doing like seeing 20, 30 people a day. He knows at a glance. But maybe he'll see a woman and say, hey, that's, that's a bit strange here. You might have a problem here with a theory. You might have a problem. I'm going to give you a blood test. A computer will never do that. Or you say, hmm, you've picked up a little weight there. Let me check that. Let me check this for diabetes. So no, no, no. Don't think that, that's a mistake. Doctors see people all day long complaining for nothing. That's 90% <laughs> of what they have. So they're sitting there, doctor, doctor, I have this, I have that. You don't have anything. You're just, you have an imaginary disease. You're fine. Yeah, but my cholesterol level is just above. These people I see that you have lots of stories from, from doctors in your family. Yes, I even a nephew says every time they come in, they bother me with the internet doctor. They, they, there's an internet they doctor. They go there and they get. They don't even know what they're talking about. But what happens, like uh, I wrote a book on explainable AI a few years ago. In, uh, it was like uh, I, was finishing, I was finishing the book between January and March 2020. And my nephew, I phoned my nephew, and it's just before COVID broke out officially. And I, I said, gee, uh, Adrian, uh, I'm working on a book on explainable AI. And my first chapter is how can we help a doctor with AI? He says, well, that's, that's not an easy question because uh, like say, I say, what if someone has a fever? A fever can be like, I don't know how many diseases. So suppose I'm writing software and there's, a, there's fever. He says, well, then you're stuck because a uh, fever can be multiple, multiple causes. It can be a flu. So you need some symptoms. So it can be a flu or it can be something else. Of course, COVID was, was already there, but people didn't know it. So he says, I had this special 
patient that had fever and I just say, okay, I just gave him the usual. Like you said, he wasn't even listening. Three days after, the person complains, I still have few, fever, a high few, fever. He said, that's not normal. Let me give you a blood test. Blood test found nothing in it. Because a blood test, you're looking for something. You don't know what. After a few days, the person was very sick. He says, oh, oh tell me everywhere you went. I need to know everywhere you went. After a week, he found that he went to an animal farm and he caught a virus, an A virus, that is not COVID. And then he sent him to the hospital and once they ident- he was cured. Now mm-hmm. do that with a machine. So I used, I used yeah. a software to reproduce this with the, the Nile virus. You don't know this Nile virus, a mosquito that comes from the mm-hmm. Nile killed like mm-hmm. 10,000 people somewhere in New York sometime. And every wow. year it kills a lot of people in the United States. But how do you know it's that? Because it's it, it looks like a flu, like COVID looks like a flu. You need experts at one point. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah. And, and the psychiatrist is an expert of the mind. The doctor is an expert of the body. You can use these systems as tools, but they can't replace humans. You know, I, I read about your research. I'd love to, to hear what you think. It's related to doctors. So they took a, a medical forum, what you just mentioned, go Dr. Google. Okay, people asking doctors, uh, something happened to me, what should I do, all that. Like it's an online question, meaning it's not like really urgent, right? And they took these questions and they gave them to the medical AI expert, whatever. And the AI gave an answer. And they checked uh, the level of professional and empathy um, as perceived by the patients. So the patient needed to to rate the the answers from the doctors and from the AI. And the AI got better results in professional, that's one thing, but in empathy, because they were more like, they had more time, as if more time to dedicate to the patient and to say, yeah, it's not that uncommon. It's okay. You'll be okay. You know, something which is, is comforting. Okay. I know that topic very well because, mm-hmm. uh, as I told you, I have a lot of people around me, both family and friends. Sure, that's nice. Go ahead. Have fun with your AI. Now, if you have a cancer, a rare cancer, what's, what's your AI going to do about that? Because your AI uh, does, is not a scanner. It can't do a TEP scan. It can't do a classical scanner. It can't run blood tests. It can't, if it's a rare cancer, there's no cure. So the people, the teams have to gather together. Like there's a hospital in Paris called Hôpital Pompidou where they specialize in cancers. They can't be cured in a standard protocol. Sure, go ahead. Talk to your AI. You'll be dead in six months. So what if you have pancreatic cancer? So can you so talk to your AI? Oh, AI, what can you do about my liver cancer, my pancreatic cancer? Oh, sure. Let me tell you, I'm more empathetic than the average doctor. So I'm, it's ridiculous. You can do it for very simple things. And mm-hmm. it's true. If you go to a forum and you ask general questions, you'll get a better answer than your doctor because it's just looking in, in, a, in, a, in a knowledge base. And it might even get a doctor's exam or that. What happens when... I'm not going to say vulgar words, but what happens when it really gets tough? You talk to your machine, go ahead. No problem. That's what doctors tell me. Yeah, I don't mind. So you have a heart attack? Well, call your AI. 
because people, as long as it's a cold and little thing, but you, you have a heart attack. Well, the eyes don't bother me. I don't have time. Talk to AI. So you go, I'm dying. What am I supposed to do? Well, I'm a very empathetic uh, AI, more empathetic. So let me talk you through uh, heart attacks. So the first thing in a heart attack is uh, don't gain weight. But I'm dying. What am I supposed to do now? Well, then die because that's all I can do for you because I don't have anything to help you. I can't operate you. So now what are you going to do is have a surgeon pop up through your virtual assistant? We're just, we're just an imaginary world imagining imaginary situations where everything's fine what happened a car accident oh i have a car accident my leg is just squashed oh ai can you help me i have a squashed leg and i'm stuck in my car yes well the best thing to do is to call an ambulance and the fire yes but i'm asking you i am here to help you i will walk you through the procedure to call the you can see that it looks nice for people living in the fantasy world where everything's fine. You're in your house and you have your electric. What happens when someone hits you? You're attacked, beats you up in the street. So now you broke your nose. Hello, AI. Uh, I just broke my nose. Well, I'm an empathetic system, much more empathetic than doctors. I'm going to tell you the procedure. So you're talking about little things or information. You're not talking about real life. If you go to a hospital, to uh, you're going to go to a hospital and tell me what you're going to replace with AI. I mean, you can use it as a tool, but but you can't go that. F what are you going to do after? Like people want to go to the Mars. Okay, go to Mars and have a heart attack. Go to Mars takes two years to get there and get cancer once you get there. Oh, well, it's going to be a lot of fun. We have to leave this world. It's never fun to have cancer. It doesn't matter if you're here on Mars or on Mars. Well, who, what do we die from on, on this planet? Old age, cancer, heart attacks, diabetes. What's AI going to do about that or, uh, in a Zoom conference or uh, with Alexa or Google Home? So people yeah. are just living in this fantasy world where they're you know, on their walking machine and they're talking to their assistant. But then all of a sudden they have a heart attack on the walking machine. What happens? What happens? AI is going to come and help you because AI is taking over the world. Because AI is going to walk. They're going to walk with a little robot. They're going to walk up the stairs to your house. They're going to come in your apartment, pick you up, and then cure you. So we're going to have, what are, there are 8 billion people. We're going to need a billion robots walking around everywhere. But then they're going to be bugged. So the robot's going to go up the stairs. It's stuck. I'm sorry. I can't help you. I just ran out of battery energy. I need, please recharge me, but I'm dying. Now I need to be recharged to help you, but I need uh, someone for my heart attack. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's so, so what you're saying is it, like in minor things, when I want to know about the history of this person, I'm your family doctor, for example. I could have an AI algorithm running and telling me all the people in this environment had this or this specific uh, patient uh, had like three generation ago, this kind of disease. Like it's only for the knowledge and information that a real, real doctor is going to use, but you're not almost, more than that. You're almost there. What I'm saying is it's a tool. 
And it's an extremely powerful tool if it's used as a tool, especially uh, for specialists that can go much further. They can find treatments, they can find ways, they can predict uh, if someone's going to have this a disease. It can, it can go very far as a tool, but not as a replacement, as a tool. In fact, uh, right now you can be operated by a robot. Uh, there are robots that operate you, but there, there are humans watching everything that's going on. So as a tool, I mean, it's an incredible enhancement. But if you're talking about replacing the expert, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Because if you do that, go ahead. So let's let's put to the, go further. These robots, you see, Dennis. I told you, they're operating people. So now we replace all the surgeons in a hospital by robots. There are no mm -hmm. more people. All of a sudden, there's a, com a, a computer chip shortage in the world. All of a sudden, there's no electricity. There's a blackout in Texas or California. There's no electricity. It, it happens all the time. Oh, I'm sorry. Our robot is out of energy. We can't operate you. Die. You need humans. We humans can survive without electricity. We're the best system in the world. What happens when the electricity goes down? I'm sorry. We can't come. I don't have electricity. <laughs> My <Yeah>. battery just <laughs> went down. I can come and help you. you know. A human can be in any environment and help you. So you just imagine what happens when there's no electricity. So you need both. You need the humans. You need the tools. And you don't. There's nothing. There's no such thing as robots. Like, like in Terminator, there's not. A, where do they get all that electricity? I mean, where do they get all those computer chips? I mean, the, you're talking about five planets. You need five planets to, to create a, a movie like Terminator. Uh, or when Elon Musk says the world is going to be taken over by, of course, he's a billionaire. He can buy anything he wants, but he can't buy five planets. Because right now, there's something called uh, the planet clock, where in August, we've consumed all, all the resources in the world right in the middle of the year. And that's an average because in countries and in some countries, it's February. So we don't have enough energy, minerals, computer chips to do what these people are. They're just rich. So they're thinking, oh, yeah, with billions. No, you need five planets to do that. Yeah. So you're saying like there are limits that we don't take into consideration because we have this like imagination. What could it be? But I I'm trying to make it more tangible, changing in the workforce. We right now we could see AI algorithms changing the way that the workforce is is really working. You have uh, creative people, photographers, uh, graphic designers, coders, and um, marketing people. They could all easily be replaced, especially if they're junior and not that like experienced. Yeah, but. Uh... Like, see, right now I'm sitting here and I'm talking to you at the same time. I see a wall over there. There's a, a brick wall. Uh, a few weeks ago, I had another podcast. And the next day I walked over to the mason that was working on the wall. And I said, that's a beautiful wall you're doing because it's, there's a curve and all that. Do, do you use a computer? He said, I don't use a computer. You watch TV? I don't have time to watch TV. I go home at eight and nine. I just do some accounting and go to bed. 
You know anything? You know what Chat GPT is? <clears throat> what are you talking about? I, I think maybe I heard that one day. I was listening to the radio while I was working. You know what AI is? <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm just a brick mason. Now, since I did that, I went and talked to a plumber. Talked to. I have a fireman lives across the. They don't know anything about this. You have hundreds of jobs where people don't even know what you're talking about. And you go to countries, we're going to find hundreds of millions of people that don't even have access to internet. So we're talking once again about a group of more or less rich people that have computers, that have software, that can buy this AI because it's not free. Okay. Chat GPT, the last, the free version is not, you can't, you, you need to use it in Microsoft 365. So you need to pay something every month. So yes, it's going to replace people. And uh, it's not a nice thought, but it's a sort of revenge of life. Revenge. Yeah, because who cared? Yeah. yeah, but who, who, which white collar cared about all the blue collars being fired in Detroit when the car factories were moved to China? or to Eastern Europe, or to Honduras. Who cared? Nobody. Nobody living, no white collars. Oh, there were a factory shut down. We're eating. Oh, can you give me some more salad? Yeah, but I'm telling you that 10,000 workers, yeah, well, they'll find a job. Give me the salad there. Or, hey, we're in a barbecue. Stop talking about that stuff. All of a sudden, it hits white collars. For the past 400 years, tractors replaced how many people working in farms? How many people lost their jobs because of a tr one tractor that came along? I remember, I'm older than you. I remember days when people, you would have 20 or 30 people in a field. Uh, and all of a sudden, a tractor came along, just have one guy. And then the tractor was too expensive. Now he rents it. So, and then he can see things with a drone. He can go and see his field with a drone. Nobody cared. Oh, yeah, they're tractors. I like tractors. Then when factories came along and people lost their jobs with machines. You have that was Charlie Chaplin in modern times. All people, oh, they're workers, you know, they're just workers. And then they're on strike. They're on strike. I can't even go to work because they're on strike. You imagine that. All of a sudden, us little white collars sitting in our comfortable offices with 10 times the salaries of these people. Oh, we're going to lose our job. But I'll tell you something. Blue collars don't care. <laughs> Go talk to a blue collar that lost his job. He's 50 years old. He was kicked out of his factory and said, you know what? Uh, I'm an engineer. I earned $100,000 a year and, and, and an AI is going to replace me. Well, good for you. I lost my job 15 years ago and I, I'm living on food stamps. Yeah. So, yeah, blue white collars are challenged. I think that most people, when they thought about AI, they thought about the cashier, about the driver, about taxi driver, about like all of these like blue collar uh, professions. And now when it goes to the lawyers and coders and, and, and all ah, that. It's like so now it's a problem, but it wasn't a problem before. All of a sudden it's a problem because the white collars are hit. Well, that's, that's history. So white collars are hit and they're going to have to get used to it. Maybe they'll lose their jobs. But there are a lot of jobs to be bricklayers, plumbers, servers in a restaurant. I mean, there are jobs all over the place. I wouldn't mind, suppose I couldn't do this, I, I wouldn't mind go helping that bricklayer. It's just because yeah. we're in a society where people using their hands are the poor. 
and the people using their brains are super people that are much better. Well, they're not yeah. because yeah. as you, you know what speaking, that reminds me, I have to tell you, I, I am, my husband is a mechanic. Right. He, he, he knows to fi- how to fix everything. I never called anyone to fix anything in my house. And he knows how to do it. And, you know, he's working with his hands outside in many cases. And we have a, 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 a neighbor, which is, I think, CTO somewhere. You know, he earns lots of money, whatever. And he always comes to my husband and he said, like, I envy you. You're doing all this stuff and you're moving and you're outside and you're not in front of the computer. Right. And it's like yeah. this just society tells us that the people who using these computers all the time, like you're tick, 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 and ticking their, their um, keyboards are like so smart and they should earn more money because they're so you know valuable for society, whatever. But just imagine if we won't have the, these mechanics or plumbers or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so now you're getting my point. Yeah. They're underrated and underpaid. That's the problem. Why is someone typing on a keyboard? Like I, I've worked in, I've been self-employed all my life and I've hired a lot of engineers. I have seen geeks, more geeks than you can imagine. I don't see what they're in more... <laughs> I don't understand why they're in more than a plumber. The guy, so I went geeks like they come in the morning late and they're half asleep because they were playing video games half of the half of the night. They go to their keyboard. They know nothing, nothing. They know nothing about Mozart culture books. Nothing. They then I saw them eat potato chips at noon with. Coca-Cola, and I went up to one of the best ones. I mean, one of the best geeks I had, and I said, gee, what are you eating? You're not eating meat. Yeah, this is chips with meat taste. Then I have chips with this, and then after I eat some Snickers, and then I have my Coke. And he's just there with his long hair and his earplugs, and then he goes home and he plays all night. So he's better, or I'm because I w- I'm, I'm a geek too. I'm not. I'm not admitting it. I'll admit it officially. I'm like, I, I, I was like that for years. I mean, I'm still like that, like half of the time. So, and then you look at the people around you. And say, what makes me better? Just typing on a keyboard? I mean, no, because where when when my electricity goes down, I call an electrician. He comes along. When my plumbing is out, I need a plumber. So the problem is, we're going to have to reevaluate society. We're going to have to say, no, a plumber is more important than the keyboard because without water, what are you going to do? Or the guy in the field with his little tractor there, if he doesn't, he stops. I don't have any food anymore. So we're going to have to get out of our virtual world and begin to think about reality because you have something called climate change that is soon going to remind us that the physical world exists. And in that world, I can give you a prediction people like your husband will be more valuable than people with keyboards because you don't need people with keyboards anymore because you have chat GPT. So chat GPT and Palm two and other things are going to invade, pervade society and say, you know, I'm a plumber. That's right. But yesterday I programmed the whole thing in Java in two minutes. How do you do that? I just asked the machine. So what do you have a PhD to do that? 
I just discovered you're an idiot because I just typed that and I get the program. So little by little, we're going to find out that us white callers, we're not worth that much because we can be replaced by a, just a little stupid algorithm that can do anything we can do. So I think it's not, there's a bad thing for us, but it's a, maybe it's a good thing for humanity to get the white callers down a bit and they can understand that what they're doing, just repetitive stuff that a, a computer can imitate and maybe give more value to people working with hands. And I then say, hey, hey, maybe plumber is another job for me. Maybe if I use my, my plumber, when I call a plumber, earns far more than I do. And that CEO there earns less than a mechanic uh, in an Indy 500 race. Uh, or you have footballers, uh, you have sportsmen there, and 10 times what CEOs. We're just, we're just overrated. I would say white collars are overrated, and they're re realizing that the repetition of our work can be uh, model, can be represented by software. Yeah. You know, you mentioned going back to the real world, not in the virtual world. And it seems that there was this direction in the last like tens of years moving from the real world. You know, in the past, we had a diary, we had business cards, we had a Rolodex. You remember the Rolodex? And, and now we have everything. It's in these devices, whatever. And I think that with AI, it's like when I imagine what it would be, it's like it's going with the pendulum, you know, the other way around and people would try to understand, okay, you have a virtual world, you could have your work there, you could even have like friends there or meet people there, whatever. But there is something there outside in the real world we need to go back to, you know, go back to meeting real people, going back to nature, being in the sun, not always like closed in our offices, wherever, or in front of a screen? What do you yeah, but think? I think, it's, I, I think it'll be just different people. Some people will live in that virtual world and never get out of it. You think? Because, yeah, sure. Because very soon we're going to have virtual glasses. I was working on that, I would say, in 2017 already for a corporation where they didn't need to travel anymore around the corporation to just do virtual glasses and you can be there and talk to people. So you'll have people completely in this virtual world. It's going to go much further. I mean, it's going to be with avatars. Uh, you're going to complete like the metaverse, like a well, Yeah. Because look at this meeting. Well, we'll, we'll be there too. We'll use it too, because in this meeting, I see your face on one side and my face. We're losing a lot of information. But once we're, we're in the virtual same room where I can see you, uh, if I put my glasses on, I'm in your living room and, you're in my, and we're in the same living room and we can even get up and we can even have a coffee together, we'll do it. I mean, it'll, it'll be much better. So the problem is not how far the tools were, will go because they're going to go as far as they can. The problem is... For humanity to have enough maturity to just say, okay, I'll turn it off now and go have some fun. I've been in AI all my life, but I've been in the real world all my life, but it's a choice. You can't, so some people just want to live in that virtual world and they'll never get out of it. And some people will never go there. And in between, you have some, some people using it tools. It's life. It's like some people, uh, will use their car just to go a few hundred feet. Uh, and some people just walk. It's a choice. I mean, we're not going to change it.
Some people will just go to nature and some people say, I don't want to go to nature because I, I don't like nature. Uh, I know a lot of people in Paris that say that. When I go to the forest, uh, I don't like it. There's a lot of noise of birds and all that. I'd rather, <laughs> yeah, I'd rather birds. go shopping. I'd rather go shopping at Galerie Lafayette. Uh, sure, but it's a choice. And some people, yeah. when I go to the country, say, I'll never go to Paris. Paris, there's so much noise over there. People walking around. I want to be in my little... It's just, it's just individual choices. So there'll be people getting married with uh, virtual bots, and the people get married with real people. People that won't get married. Uh, it's just a choice. I mean, it's a choice of life. It's what you want to. It goes back to what do you want to be. It's so, your so choice. What, like I'm trying to understand the way you see it. You're saying, okay, it would go to these like. Um, I wouldn't call it extreme to this point that people would live there, like in this metaverse Zuckerberg point of view, or they would uh, marry a bot or would have a friend which is a bot. And some people would love that and would see like, that's my life. And other people would decide to do different. And it's not for you something which is like, this one is better than the other one or vice versa. Yeah. It's like each one would decide whatever is the direction. What do you want to matter. be? What do you want to be? Some people today live relationships with Zoom. Right. They never meet each other. And I mean, right. I mean, intimate life. I mean, we're not going to speak about it, but they live that way. And it's better right. because that way you don't have the problems of everyday life, but they still have the pleasure of talking to each other. That's, yeah. that's the way they live. So they live the way they want. Some people, it's just a choice. If someone wants, and you can live in a virtual world and marry a real person. Like suppose uh, you have this meeting thing and you meet a person in this virtual living room. So you're not taking the risk, you know, of meeting someone bad in real life. And then when you get used to the person, then you go to the restaurant in real life and you get married. There's all sorts of combinations. Yeah, it's not just black white. It's just life. So someone wants to live in the virtual world. They're doing it already, because uh, in video games, I'm a gamer. For right now, I've been developing so much for a publication. I'm not playing, but I'm part of. I'm half. I'm a half breed. I'm half of the geek world, and I'm half of the real world. When I'm in the geek world, I'm very happy. You know, you can put your headphones on. You can go to virtual places. You can talk. You can play with a lot of people. Uh, you don't need, you can live there and you don't even have to leave your couch. You can order food. You can uh, watch movies. You can watch concerts. You can uh, do sports right on there, imaginary sports with your Nintendo. Uh, so if you want to do that, you can do that. For me, I, I'd like, I'd like to do that a few hours a day. And then I go, I like to go out because I live in Paris and here in the country where I just, it's, I'm just two minutes from the country. I go for a walk. Yeah. I like both. But some people don't. It's just a choice. It's a, it's a freedom. I mean, uh, if you want to live in a virtual world, go ahead. If you want to get married with your computer, go ahead. I mean, I don't mind. Yeah, I understand. And then you're thinking about like going back. Even, to even if world. a person wants to use a computer as a therapist and feels better, why not? I wouldn't do it, but you know, was, why not? If you want to talk to the therapist and you feel better because you don't want to talk about something that very bad that happened to you. And you feel that you can talk to this machine that won't repeat it or won't record it. You might even feel more comfortable saying something terrible that happened to you to that therapist. 
to that artificial therapist and you might just feel better because it, it will repeat things it learned from other patients and you just feel better. Why not? I mean, you know, it's, why not? I, I wouldn't yeah. do it, but why not? I'm not going to, I wouldn't tell anyone not to do it. I would say, okay, if you feel better, do it. It's life. I mean, uh, as long as you're not doing something harmful with it, you know, like killing people or giving advice on how to commit suicide. I mean, as long as it's n normal life, why not? I don't mind. Yeah. So you're saying like it's part of change in general, the fact that people would sometimes be there or that the fact that the workforce would change, it's the same as it's changed when sure. the car even, came into Yeah, push reality. it even far, farther, further. Today we live, we're, we're going towards a genderless uh, world. Well, people mm -hmm. think, you know, uh, I want to be a woman, I want to be a man, a half, whatever you want to be. Okay, take that. You can take it from two directions, an old direction saying, oh, that's not good because the Bible or the Quran or whatever says there's a man, there's a woman. These people don't, but they don't feel that way. Now think about avatars. So someone can be an executive during the day, you know, the real male going to work. In the evening, he can be an avatar and genderless and be all kinds of genders in, in, the, in, in the imaginary world. And be himself. Maybe he's in, he'll be himself more in this imaginary world than he can be in the real world where he can't be what he wants to be because he'll get social uh, discrimination. So maybe all night he, he's just, you know, a woman all night and he feels great about it. Then he goes to his office the next day and he's a man, but he thinks about it. He feels good. So we don't know. We're just little pieces of nothing. We don't know. We don't know what's yeah. good. The, the only thing I would say is just be careful. That's all. Yeah. Just like when you eat too much food or stuff like that, just be careful. Yeah. I understand what you're saying, but what com comes to my mind is like we're humans and humans need something in order to be, I don't know, healthy, in a good mindset, in a good mood, in a good health, uh, physical, mentally. And it seems that because we are going all the way to the direction of, as you mentioned, like going to the virtual world, living more or less there, more people are going to live there. A youth are like into gaming hours a day. And it seems that humanity is not getting so much happier or more joyful or more content. And it's, it's a direction that for me, I have four kids and I always think about their future. Like I'm like, let's say I'm done now. Let's think about like 20, 30 years from now. And for them, it seems like it's not that obvious that sometimes you need to meet a person and really, you know, see him and just sit together and talk, you know, like these things that maybe are common for me and not for them. Or, I know, go outside and, I know, you know play something. And things like that. Yeah, but yeah, but take it uh, from first. You, you we use the word humanity. Who's who says humanity does that? So if you go to uh, you go to uh, Ghana or go to Rwanda, you're going to find villages. Uh, this conversation means nothing to them. They have, they still have to walk 20 miles to go get water, and th so we're not speaking about humanity. We're speaking about the richer, richer humanity, people that Western, can afford Western computers, Western. that have internet, that have electricity, that have time, that have time to do all that. So uh, it's just part of the world. It's not humanity. And uh, what is humanity? Because 
you go back everyone you go back to uh, virtual it's speaking about virtual what about neolithic we used to be hunters and we used to be just gatherers we would just wander from one place to another and gather some fruit and then kill some people eat them you know because we didn't know in the early days that we're not supposed to eat each other so well we'd kill them he 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 tastes good i'll eat him so we were just living like that in, in what because what is the real world the real world fifty thousand years or sixty thousand years ago is something we maybe were just dreaming of but we were cannibals and uh, we were why do we have these teeth like that these teeth we have are not just you know just to go to the dentist and have nice smiles these teeth were to eat meat and eat people and then we found no maybe, maybe we should bury these people that's when vir that's vir that was virtual now we have to bury someone. Well, why do we have to bury someone? Well, you're not supposed to eat people. And you have to tell your children, your four children, stop eating. Don't eat kimbi. You're not supposed to eat kimbi. We're supposed to bury them. Mommy, why can't we eat them? You're not supposed to eat people. I'll tell you we're burying them. I don't understand. There's, there's something up there, you know? There's something up there, and that something up there doesn't want them to, us to eat them. That's virtual. You're vir yeah. We're just... So it's extremely virtual because uh, you don't see animals burying other. So that's virtual. And then we say, well, let's stop living like that. Let's live in a village. What's a village? A village is a place where you don't move around anymore. Oh, that's not, that's not the real world anymore. So what is the real world? What is yeah. virtual and not virtual in the real world? We've been in a virtual thing since someone uh, buried someone else and said there's something up there. You're not supposed to eat them. You're supposed to bury them. That's extremely virtual. And yeah. then another thing, that's one aspect. Another thing is we're, we've suffered a lot. <laughs> we have gone through ice ages, heat waves. We've been trauma. We have post-traumatic stress. Every single human being on this planet has post-traumatic stress of nature because nature was not our friend before. It's just recently that people nature has become our before nature was our enemy and if we walked in a forest we could be eaten by bad animals that would eat us up we didn't like nature that's why we got into these villages and we want to go in that nature and so and then we're thinking of years where there were bad weather we didn't have food because we depended on the food that we were growing and, and we died of hunger so we didn't like nature that much we just enjoy nature now that we don't depend on nature that much. So nature is just reminding us that nature exists. And it's, a, yeah. it's coming back again with climate change. So we're a very troubled uh, species. We suffered a lot. And we have post-traumatic stress, which makes us both nice and violent, good and bad. That's why we don't have this maturity. That's why we use nuclear energy for bombs or to cure people. We, we're, we're in a bad... We don't... We're not mature. If we were mature, there would be no wars. Okay, we would yeah. say it's a waste of time and money and energy. We're not mature yet. Humanity, we're just overrating ourselves all the time. We're people that yeah. Yeah. we have post-traumatic stress. We're living in virtuality because we're afraid of everything that's around us. But that's not part of mainstream thinking. You have to go to philosophy class to find this out. That's why we're coming back to the beginning of the conversation if you want to go deep in ai understand the billions of messages you're looking at well you should know something about philosophy history sociology and yeah. we'll find out there's nothing new out here yeah 
I understand what you're saying. And we're almost done with time. So I I had another question, but it's related to what we started with. So let's let's keep that. Like, how do you see the future? Like going like 20, 30 years from now, the future of humanity with AI. Okay, so let's let's cut the sentence in two. How do you see the future? Yeah. Okay, the first thing uh, first thing you can say is nobody sees the future. There's no such thing. Every time I get a post at, what do you see in the future? And then you, sometimes I got trapped in this before, but now I've been thinking a lot because <laughs> I've got this question maybe a hundred times. There is no, we don't know the future. Who knew in 1910 that there will be the First World War? Who knew in 1930 what would happen in 1940? Who knew in June 2008 that there would be a crash on the stock market in September 2008? And how many people lost billions? Who knew that there would be a war in Ukraine? No one believed it. Who believed that 50 years or hundreds of years, no, a thousand years later, the Middle East is still un unstable? I mean, go... <laughs> Go yeah. tell a farmer uh, 4,000 years ago. You know, in 4,000 years, we're so dumb, we're going to still be killing our, each other because I don't like you and I don't like you. Well, you'll see, in 4,000 years, we'll still be fighting. No one would believe you. Say, hey, crazy, one day our children won't fight anymore. This will be over. No yeah. one can say what the future will be, whether you're a billionaire or you're the poor, because you don't know if we're going to have enough electricity. Yeah. You don't know if we're going to have enough computer chips. You don't know if we're not going to, a, mil, a billion people are going to die because of climate change. <clears throat> we have strictly no idea what's going to happen even in September. Like we're in June. Is there going to be an atomic, a nuclear war in uh, between uh, Russia and Ukraine? We don't know. This morning I was reading the news. They keep... Uh, they're discussing about this nuclear plant. They're going to blow up or not blow up. That, that, no, that's nuclear waste all over the world uh, for years. So I don't know. The future is, uh, I would say, the future is what you want it to be. Go talk. The future is what you want it to be. I mean, uh, we'll survive. Maybe uh, 8 billion people will be down to 1, billion, 1 million people. But humanity will survive. And uh, biologically, in a few uh, thousand years, humans will disappear because we always evolve into different species, so we won't be the same thing. Or there'll be transhumanism because people want to put chips in your mind and your brain. Who knows? We're so imaginative, and so we don't know anything, in fact. We don't even... And what are the questions? I always have fun asking this question. This is not a nice question. It's a philosophical question. I'll say, I'll answer your question about the future. If you tell me why I'm on earth, where I'm going, if I'm going somewhere after, and what am I really doing here, and where is earth and the universe right now? What is its exact position? Because we're going like 20,000 kilometers an hour with the sun going 50,000 kilometers. Is the universe expanding or contracting? Did the Big Bang exist? Why am I here? What am I? How was I born? Did I exist before? And that's those are the real questions. And those are the real questions that 50,000 years ago, 
someone very smart asked me, he said, we're going to bury Kimba because there's something going on there. And I don't know what, but we're not going to eat these people anymore. We're going to bury them because something, some, uh, something's fishy. There's, there's something tricky. What am I doing here? So someone very smart 50,000 years ago say, what am I doing here? So these are the questions. If you want your children or you want to have a future, start asking yourself these questions and forget about, you know, uh, what pizza you're going to eat or if AI is going to take over the world or if humanity is going to go live on Mars. I mean, if humanity wants to go live on Mars, you can do it tomorrow. Just go to the Sahara Desert and dig a tunnel under the desert and live there. I mean, you don't have to go to Mars to live on a place where there's nothing. You can go to the Sahara Desert. There's a lot of room there. No one wants to go there. It's plenty of places. You can send these space people there and go live and these little things there and dig in. There are, I'm sure there are a lot of rare minerals in the Sahara that you can dig up and mine. So I would say the future of humanity will be like the past of humanity, unknown. Yeah. And it seems like you like it. Like it's like two parts. The fact that you don't know and you enjoy the unknowing parts of, of it. I which is which usually when you don't know, you're a bit like more anxious or worried or you try to control it. And it, and for me, it seems like you're enjoying the fact that you don't know. <laughs> you, just, you hit, you're a very rare person because you got to the core of my way of thinking is that it, it's so funny. It's so funny. When I, I've worked with CEOs I mean, major corporate CEO and billionaires. I've worked with several billionaires. And I always have fun with this question. They always, sometimes I have 10 minutes for you. I've had this like 10. And then at the end of this kind of conversation, well, come and eat lunch with me because you're not talking like other people. I want to talk to you. So, Dennis, what is the future? What, where are we going? And I answer these questions. And I say, wow, wow. Oh, yeah, because, you know, I haven't, I don't sleep that well. And I've been thinking about a lot of things these days because I'm pretty rich, but I don't care about money. There's one thing about billionaires. They don't know that money exists. So they say, <laughs> yeah, I'm not in good health and I'm getting older. So, yeah, the real, uh, it's fun because it just takes away everything that's superficial. If you yeah. go, that's how religions were, were born. I mean, you don't have to go into a doctrine. The thing is, just to ask yourself that question, everything will disappear. What do you care about AI? What are you doing here? What, what are you doing there? What are you going to do tomorrow? What's your life? Are you going to be alive tomorrow? I remember a customer yelling at me. We became best friends after for maybe 20 years. But he came to, he came to my office and he was yelling at me. We're late. I want my software tomorrow morning. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to work all night and I'm going to deliver that software tomorrow morning at nine. Yeah, that's what I want. The question is, my friend, you're yelling so much, you might have a heart attack and you might not be there tomorrow morning when I deliver the software. Did you think of that? He says, well, I'm not, I'm not yelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to have a heart attack. I don't have a heart attack. Yeah, you're going to die. Well, I'm not going to die. Yeah, you're not going to be there tomorrow morning if you continue like that. But I'll be there because I don't care. I'll develop your software. And that makes them think. So I think that the future, if you want to live really, ask yourself the real questions. 
everything else will disappear. I mean, uh, uh, spiritual life is not that dumb. Philosophy is not that dumb. I mean, it's it's interesting. You don't have to believe in anything, but you can. You don't have to believe in anything, but you have to ask yourself the question. You can't just say, "Well, I don't believe," so I don't have to ask my. No, no, no. You don't believe. Well, ask yourself even more questions. Yeah, yeah. I and this, you know what? It comes to my mind that like when I studied my first degree, um, I had a, um, a, a someone who in a lecture said that the much that you know more, that you know what you don't know. Right? Is right. if you know much later, you don't know what you don't know. Right? If you're aware of all of the things, you're aware of all the unknowns that you don't know about. Right? Right. There, and, there's, and, a, there's, there's this French writer called Marguerite Yourcenar, and uh, she was one of the first, I think she was the first woman in the French Academy of Literature. I was reading her books when I was like 15, I just loved her books. Because she was already in this genderless uh, writing and stuff like that. Because there's something, of course, there's something woke, but there's something fun about it is that you can be anything, you know. It's So she was writing, and at one point in this book, she wrote exactly what you said. She says, I know, now I know that I know what I don't know. I know that I'll never know what I don't know. It says, I know that I know that I don't know. And it's this mirrors of what we don't know, but you yeah. can go. I can, I can. You don't need education. I can take you to uh, Chad, or I can take you to any African country. We can travel twenty miles from a main city. Any person living there will tell you that. Exactly my conversation. I don't know if we'll be alive next year. I don't know if uh, where we are. There's a lot more maturity in uh, countries because we think we're developed. We're developed in technology and commerce, but we're undeveloped in many aspects of real life. And if you go to India or 50, 100 miles from a city or go to China, northern China in a village where they don't even know where Beijing is, you're going to find people that will talk real life. So the future, to answer your question, is be yourself. Find yourself. Find yourself, yeah. be yourself. If you want to be in the meta, go in the meta. If you want to be genderless, be genderless. Have fun. Yeah, you got. You really got the. You hit one of my core chords. If I don't have fun, I don't do it. Yeah, which is really important. You know, most people would say what I need to do or what I should do, and not really what is like really good for me, fun for me, valuable for me, important for me. It brings it, me it, it's a little it's a little more complex because sometimes we don't have a choice but i remember a pastor uh that spoke when michael jackson died and he was there well, i admired michael jackson a lot i mean it was for me he was a genius in uh music and uh, this priest was there a very small guy even smaller than i am because i'm small so i was saying he's really small when someone's smaller than me they're really small and he was saying i don't care what you are in life if you are uh sweeping the streets be the mozart of sweeping the streets that's what that's what it's about if you're a garbage you're picking up garbage be the mozart of garbage pickers be nice to people talk to the people when you meet them i don't think it's what we do it's how we do it you can be a butcher living uh or uh, you can be anything 
anywhere and make it nice. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. So we started with AI and then we got into something which is like a more like a sort of philosophical way of, of But that is AI. If you spend like I, I've been, I'm spending right now like 10 hours a day because I'm working on a publication, I see millions and millions and millions of everything you write, mails, social media, sentiment analysis. And that's you're going back to this first question. What do you need? Well, if you're going through all that, you need some philosophy. You need sociology, economics. You need all that to understand what, what's going on. Because I see all kinds of things that you don't see. I think I, I'm a better I'm a better tester. I test stuff for open uh, AI or Google. I use these beta and I see everything that's raw that will be filtered after. The human mind is something very fascinating. I can tell you that you can go from incredibly hateful stuff to incredibly beautiful stuff, and to make sense of it, well, you need philosophy. You need to think back. So that that's. So artificial intelligence is about understanding intelligence. So you need to understand other people, unless you just want to do simple things, which you can do. Yeah. I had my previous guest mention that it's not really artificial. The fact that because artificial intelligence, it's actually intelligence. It's another way of seeing intelligence, but it is. This is what it is. Yeah, it could be, it could be. Yeah, why not? Why not? You can think of it. Yeah, it's machine intelligence. The thing is, we didn't invent this term. Alan Turing wrote that article in 1950. He's, and everyone's talking about the Turing test, but no one understands it. The purpose of the Turing test for Alan Turing was to say, it's just a different kind of intelligence. Stop comparing humans to machines. But no one read the paper to the last page, so it stopped at the first page. So Alan it Turing- was a long paper? It's I didn't 1950, read machine intelligence. So how long is it that people did not Maybe, know? yeah, it's maybe, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 pages. Every time I have a doubt, I reread the article. I've read it, I don't know how many times. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't seen anything better than that article since, uh, that's, nothing's been better than that article. Nothing's been better than him, by the way, in artificial intelligence. Nothing. No one has ever exceeded his vision because he saw what was, he was there and he invented with a, a group of people the first machines to, to you know, for uh, decryption of uh, German messages and all that. Okay, but I'm not going to get into politics again. But anyway, he invented those machines. Mm -hmm. He and he d just died too soon because of discrimination. So, mm -hmm. uh, but his in the things he wrote that article, read that article on machine intelligence or anything he wrote and anything he did. No, no one succeeded that. He's the Mozart. But of course, since he, there was discrimination, he's been buried. It's better to have MIT yeah. on top. It looks much better. Maybe yeah. one day someone will go dig, dig him up again. But he was fundamental. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about him, you know, most people would say right now, if you mention a person in AI, they would mention Sam Altman. I guess that would be the first person that would come to most popular, like, yeah, but uh, I know no, entities uh, in here. Uh, no, you, if you want to mention transformers, go find uh, the article. Uh, attention is all you need. First of all, yeah, I, uh, it's, generative it's AI Google, comes from uh, large, generative AI comes from large language models. Large language models 
go back to Transformers. Transformers is the attention all you need article of 2017. Dig up all the writers, find what the find the main writer that doesn't have didn't have that college degree, and that says why do we do it that way and let's do it another way. He is the genius. Hmm. What's his name? Do I don't remember? know. I don't wow. know. I'll I look know. it up. Yeah, look it up. Maybe I should look it up for another pod podcast. Yeah, but I, I, I don't want to mention that he doesn't have a college degree because maybe he has a college degree now and maybe he's, <laughs> he, he wasn't happy about it. So maybe he wouldn't be happy we would say that. But no, I, I, you know, I think that actually when we're thinking about some, someone who went to college, it means that he earned lots of information, but sometimes you need to unlearn some of the information in order to really understand some of the stuff. And people who did not go through this path of going and studying and going through the courses and uh, having a first and second degree so forth, they don't need to unlearn, which is much harder than learning, I think. Yeah, but you can and do both at the same time. If what? You, you can do both at the same time. I'm a great fan, a, a fan of Descartes, the French philosopher, and uh, Emmanuel Kant, the German philosopher. And uh, you put both together... Descartes is critical thinking. He just takes everything apart, says nothing is true around here except that I exist because I think. So the rest, I'll just throw everything away. And then Emmanuel Kant comes along and he writes all these books and then he writes one on enlightenment. And he says enlightenment can be summed up, you know, in one sentence. Don't be, uh, let's see, and don't be, a slave why well, he doesn't use that term in german but he said don't be under the control of someone else enlightenment is being free free of thinking anything you want so you can go to college and i was pretty uh, lucky to go to the sorbonne university where the president first tell us if you're here because it's a long time ago you didn't want to go to one of these fancy schools you want to came here because you want critical thinking so i'm opening all the classes to everyone you can go to our college you need a, you need your main degree but you can go to any class you want and learn stuff so i was lucky wow. to be yeah in that generation so critical thinking yeah that's the that's the main that, that's one of um the leitmotifs of this conversation yeah it's never yeah. go to yes or no but just find you know all the all the possibilities Right. So artificial intelligence, so no, if you're thinking artificial intelligence, you're thinking Alan, no, you're thinking Alan Turing, and you're thinking math. It's just math. And uh, one of the most brilliant people is Cédric Villani. I didn't hear that name. Maybe in France. Is, is, I he never heard it. The 2011 uh, Fields Medal in Mathematics. Because mm -hmm. maybe you don't know this, but if you look at the list of uh, mathematicians that got the field, France is about equal to the United States with one fifth of the population. I think wow. France is number two because in high school, people are very bad in math here. They're extremely you bad. We're terrible. Maybe the last, last in the OCD. But once you get to high levels, I mean, it's just historical math. You go centuries back and you find these top... He is about 10 times, I would say a thousand times better in an AI than any of these people working in uh, Facebook or anywhere. I mean, 
he can understand artificial intelligence, just, you know, anything in there in, in like five seconds. And, and the reason you don't hear about him, because for him, it's so simple that it's stupid. He doesn't even want to bother with it. <laughs> so what is he doing? He's not working on it? He is not interested in it. It's just, wow. too, it's just too, yeah, but if you spent a day with me and I showed you the math that's in a transformer, you would say, uh, it, that's, what is that? I would say with high school math in a, in a top high school, I mean, not a little high school, but I mean a top high school like Henri Cat in Paris and all that. And just maybe one year college, you have all the math you need for artificial intelligence. Wow, this is what it's you a think. very low level of math, very very low level. It's it's totally uninteresting for a mathematician. A real mathematician cannot be interested in artificial intelligence. It's it's not it's it's really low level of math. But everyone brings it up because since they didn't learn math, they don't know what different calculus is so it seems so but calculus is something you learn the first year of college in mathematics so it, it's very low low level of mathematics very low wow. level wow um, i'm very surprised that you're saying that you know like first i don't come from well, ask a real mathematician <laughs> i'm asking you i'm not a real mathematician that's why i'm good at artificial intelligence <laughs> <laughs> i see I'm the proof. I'm the proof that you don't need to be a super mathematician to do artificial intelligence, because basically I'm a computational linguist. So, uh, it, math, it's it's the math is so easy that of course I'm pretty good at math, but I'm not a mathematician. I'm pretty good at math. I mean, I have maybe I have a college level of math after decades of doing this. But if I talk to a mathematician like Valen, I've already communicated with this level of mathematicians and I've applied some of their theory. I'm like 10%. I, I've, I've got congratulation messages, you know, saying, well, that's not bad. But the mathematician is talking to like a child. He's saying, that's a good job, Dennis. You did a good job there. But no, anyone that tells you that artificial intelligence is super mathematics is out of his mind or doesn't go to a real phd researcher okay a researcher in the fundamental research of mathematics people that are working on uh, flows of the air and weather and stuff like that and then show them i would show them the math that's inside of artificial intelligence i mean that's that's artificial intelligence oh that's dumb there's nothing in there it's empty it's wow. just it, it's it's well it's so simplistic it's like uh i don't know if i tell you every morning every morning what do you do you get up once you get up what do you do you're gonna have breakfast not breakfast have a shower not a shower and go somewhere or not go somewhere that's all that's artificial intelligence it's just statistics. Really? I'm it's really just... surprised by what you're saying. I have to say, like most people would say, it's so complex. Only the smartest people could understand it. You need to go to, you know, to go and do statistics, data science, whatever. But total, absolute nonsense. And I've proven this as 
so many times. Like my first book uh, when I sold my company was Artificial Intelligence by Example. Mm -hmm. And I said, people don't understand artificial intelligence, so they think it's very smart. So I wrote the book. I listen very carefully. I tested it on my grandchildren. So my granddaughter was maybe four years old and my grandson was six years old. And I ran all the programs in front of them on a TV. And I said, I want you to understand everything, the Markov decision process. I want you to understand all that, but I'm going to explain it to you in a very simple way. And I'm going to show you my program. So I, I explained it with little objects and glasses and stuff like that for children, just like we with no theoretical vocabulary. And I showed them every program. And I reached the most complex program in Chapter 11, which was a mark of decision process applied to scheduling, because basically I'm a schedule. I'm an SCM, a supply chain management AI expert. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I had the most complex algorithm there I wrote in the book. And I had all these loads for transportation and all that. My grandson was six years old. He says, there's a mistake there. And I said, where's the mistake? He says, see, you have A, C, A, B, C, D, E. And you said that everyone has to get the same thing. But D is always getting more than the others. So there's a mistake there. I said, sure. I go look in there. There's a bug. He found the bug. Why? Because a child immediately is a load balancer. You have four children. Mm -hmm. I account. never, never ever thought about this. For me to study these things, for sure not showing them anything like that. Maybe I should bring them to you. You, you teach them that. Well, they understand <laughs> AI in, in, in one hour. You, you, can, wow. you can teach them AI in, in a few seconds. You just you go and you bake a cake. And your children will fight to see who gets the most. No, he got more than I did. No, I got more than no, no, no. But he doesn't like that cake. But I'll give you another piece of cake. No, you no, my daddy ate the cake. No, I want the cake. Everyone's fighting when you make bake a cake that's a little too small, or some dishes, or you're not enough French fries, or not enough that. No, but why didn't I get? Why didn't I get another? They're doing load balancing. Yeah. It's innate. This part it's I know. It's load balancing. We're load balancing. So every human being has that. That is about, I don't know, 80% of uh, arch an architecture of a computer system is load balancing. Any child understands that. And then you say, hey, can you tell me what your brother does every day? He gets up. He's always late to go to school. He doesn't want to get dressed so we have to yell at him to get him to dress. Then we have to drag him into the kitchen to eat. And then we drag him to school because he'd rather stay home. That's a pattern. That's a pattern. That's all artificial does. It's learned patterns. And then the other pattern, another pattern. So now you have 80% of AI in these two little examples. And then you can go and you show them. I play with little, I invented little games for the art. Mark of decision process that looks a bit like you know a stupid game. It's it's extremely stupid because mm -hmm. we're extremely repetitive. Yeah, you could say that you could predict uh, uh, behavior. Anybody, when, when anything. You, you know, 
The minute you wake up, you know what your husband's going to say just looking at him. Yeah. Th okay. That's right. <laughs> so we're predictable. Once you're predictable, AI becomes so simple. It's and AI reaches its limits for unpredictable things. But there's no there's no good level math in there. Of course, I'm exaggerating. There are some aspects that are that are complex. But since I like math, any and any good mathematician will will be able to break down anything complex into something extremely simple that any five year old child can understand. And only mathematicians that don't understand math or that can cannot do that. That is one. Th that's one way you can distinguish a good mathematician from a poor mathematician. If he yeah, can't explain that, the, that a theory, that's right. If he can't explain the theory of relativity to you with two simple examples, he doesn't understand it. Yeah, I think I think that I'm not sure, but it's a quote from from. Einstein saying that if you really understand something, you could explain it in a very simple I, I, I didn't invent like anything. That. I'm not, I didn't invent this sentence. I mean, this goes back centuries. I mean, this probably goes back to a Greek mathematician or to Aristotle talking to a student and saying, listen, if you can't explain it, you don't know it. And then you go back to Socrates and you go to Plato and he says, you know what? I'm going to take the servant here and I'm going to talk to him. And he'll he'll know everything. It, it, we're going to this is Greek philosophy. It's in French. It's called maïotique. It means you just talk to someone, and by asking him questions, he'll get there. And that was one of my main ways of talking to uh, my employees when I was high, talking to people. I would never give them the answer. I was always asking them questions, questions, and questions, and questions. And then they, ah, until they say ah, I see, it's in you. Everything in AI is in you. There's nothing. If someone can't do that, then he doesn't understand it. Yeah. So I have my last question to you, which is like the, this um, episode in general, what I'm doing is like aimed for product people, entrepreneurs, people who are doing like business in tech. And I would ask you, what's your number one tip for AI entrepreneurs today? Number one tip for AI yeah, someone who's going to build something in AI. Well, there are different angles, but if I use the angle I started with, with my first customer is go to the customer, go to the market and spend time understanding it. Forget about software. First, go understand extremely deeply what's going on for this topic, whatever it is. And once you understand that topic, then you can go back and build software. But first, forget about computers. Try to understand really what's going on physically. And if you do that and then you understand the subject, then you're good. Like I worked in supply chains. So I went, I, I followed Thread coming from Japan to the company in France that was processing it, then the trucks that drove it to another textile company, then the company that would do the weaving or the knitting, then the other one company that would do the cloth, then take it to the distributor, to the distributor, back to the shops, to the shops, back to the thread. And that's how I, and I did it physically. And that's how I became a supply chain uh, expert 
And after that, writing software is very easy because you have all the tools, you have all the assistance, you have all the all the, the generative AI that can help you write the code. But if you understand something that deeply, you'll be an expert and people will look to you and they ask you questions and uh, that's how you, you will evolve because the tools are very easy to build nowadays. Right. You know, like I, I loved your answer, especially because it's like it's what what's what I'm doing. I'm not coming from coding or technology or math. What I'm doing is really understanding the end customer, end users, the human side of technology and helping people build product based on that understanding. And what you just mentioned is my part of the tech industry in general, because this is all I know how to do. I don't know how to do the technology part. It's like I'm working to. with people who is doing that. You don't need to anymore because you can go to like uh, Google Vertex AI and you can build a whole application just by doing clicks. You don't need to know anything. You're on the right yeah. end. You're on the right end of the future. <laughs> I hope. I know we'll see that. We Maybe we should schedule another talk and we think about it, that too. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thanks for inviting me. And Thank say hello you. to it's your been, family. It's been lots of fun talking to you. Insightful and uh, interesting and surprising. Uh, many of the people that I talk to, they're interesting and I enjoy talking to them. But you've been very surprising for me because I said, okay, this person, he wrote all these books, is going to really understand the, the details of the, you know, like the technology that will discuss technology to the details. And it was much more interesting for me to talk to you. So thank you for your time. Because there. technology is not about technology. Right. It's about how you think. It's exactly what you just said. Yeah. So okay. thank you, Dennis. It's thank been a pleasure you. talking to you. And have a nice day. Thank you. See you. Bye-bye. 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 I'm Adima Zaukario, and you've been listening to the Invincible Innovation Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, invincibleinnovation.com, where you can learn more about our programs and my book, Innovating Through Chaos. I'll be waiting for you next week in our next episode. Thank you for listening.